This is episode 30 of the Higher Christian Life broadcast, and my name is Steve McCraney. Today, we're going to look at the first of three truths that we talked about earlier that will open the pathway of deliverance from sin and shame and guilt and failure regarding your ability to live the higher Christian life by your own merits and with your own strength, which quite honestly, all of us try. And when you come to grips and fully accept what we will share today, you will discover there's a divine reason or purpose for your failures to live up to the standard you expect from a believer like yourself. And this purpose is to drive you into the arms of Christ as a little child, full of faith, by recognizing, well, to use the words of Zechariah, that it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. By my spirit, says the Lord. There is so much to share today about the higher Christian life. So let's jump right in, shall we? Today, we'll begin looking at the first of these three key truths that will help you overcome the disappointment that comes sometimes with trying to live the higher Christian life, especially when you try to live it in your own strength and end up making commitments and failing and making commitments and failing. And to be honest with you, if you do try to live it in your own strength, failure is a certainty. Listen very carefully. You cannot, under any circumstances, no matter how hard you try, live in the flesh that which can only be lived through his spirit. It cannot be done, no matter how hard you try. And quite honestly, the more you try, the more your spiritual life will begin to resemble like this mouse in a cage on an exercise wheel who's constantly running and constantly straining and working up a sweat to the point of exhaustion, but going nowhere because he's still trapped in his cage. Be honest. You ever been there? Well, be encouraged. So have many believers before you. Now, let me explain the reason why we struggle with this. And it's because we have a tendency of always trying to go back to something that never worked in the first place with this insane idea or this insane hope that even though it didn't work then or every other time we've tried it, it will work today. And the reason why is the fact that we haven't taken the time to truly understand the nature of our fallen flesh and what the atonement of Christ did and what his atonement didn't do regarding our flesh. Now, here's where it sometimes makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable. Let me begin by saying that the sinful nature Our flesh that you and I had before we came to Christ, before we got saved, before we were born again, is the same sinful nature, the same flesh we have now. The atonement did not change our flesh or redeem our flesh. That's something that happens in the future. Our flesh is something that we still struggle with and we still have and we will continue to struggle with until our flesh is redeemed by Christ when we're given a new glorified heavenly body that is conformed to his body. Let me read to you Philippians 3, 20 and 21 that talks about this. 
for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body so it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. And one of the things he subdues to himself at this point in time is our sinful nature and our unredeemed flesh. In 1 Corinthians 15, when Paul is talking about the contrast between our earthly body and our resurrected body, he describes our human body as perishable, weak, natural, and corruptible, all because of sin. But when he describes our glorified body, he calls those imperishable, eternal, spiritual, and not touched by the corruption that comes from sin. I mean, consider the following very popular verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 42-44. The body is sown in corruption, but raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, and it is raised in power. It's sown a natural body, and it is raised a spiritual body. And then he goes on to say there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And right now, you and I do not live in a spiritual body. We live in a natural body that is still subject to our sinful nature and the calling and temptation and corruption from our flesh. So the redemption of our flesh, the resurrection of our bodies, comes later in our journey of salvation. We are buried in our sinful flesh and will be in the future resurrected and raised in a perfect, glorified, sin-free body, which basically means a body that no longer has a sinful nature attached to it. But this happens in the future, and it's not something we experience now. Therefore, we had this continual struggle with temptation and sin and, of course, inevitable failure if we try to serve the Lord with our fallen body in our own strength. It just doesn't work that way. So the question that's asked by many believers is, why can't I live the higher Christian life in my own strength? I try hard. I make commitments. I pray more. I write down things in my journal, I read the Bible through in a year, I go through devotions. Why can't it be done? Why do I still struggle? And why do I feel the shame and the guilt and this disappointment from not being able to be the believer I know I should be? Well, the answer to the question is simple. What we end up always doing is just trying harder. We jump back on that exercise wheel, but this time with a renewed commitment to grow closer to the Lord or try to live a holy, sanctified life by doing all the things we've tried before and failed. And to quote Dr. Phil, I love this line, how is that working out for you? It's not. You cannot live in the flesh, something that can only be done in the spirit or by the spirit, no matter how committed we are to a spiritual self-improvement program. To do so is futile at best, and honestly, it's doomed to fail from the start. And do you know why? This brings us to truth number one. You have to understand and accept and believe truth number one to be able to enter that path of deliverance. Here's truth number one. You are incapable 
incapable, impossible of pleasing God or producing anything good with your flesh, with your sinful nature, no matter how hard you try. It can't be done. It has never been done. It will never be done by anybody ever, ever. Let me say that again. You are incapable of pleasing God or producing anything good with your flesh, no matter how hard you try. Cannot be done, never been done, will never be done by anybody ever, including you. Now, this truth might be difficult to accept. I mean, after all, we kind of think highly of ourselves and often take pride in the strides we've made in our Christian life. We share our testimonies and talk about the shows we don't watch and the alcohol we could quit drinking and the cussing that stopped and these little minute steps that we make towards what we call sanctification or holiness. And yet, if you remember our metric for determining where you are with Christ, this metric from one to 10, with 10, of course, being the closest you have ever been in your life before. So everybody has a different 10. 10 is the tops, the closest you've ever been. When you ask people, even ask yourself where you are now in that relationship, my experience has been 99.9% of the people I talk to, it's something less than 10. It's an eight or a seven or a six or a nine or a five or a three, something less than 10. So if it is possible for you and I to live a godly life by just trying harder in the flesh, why are we always failing? So you might as well take a deep breath and relax, because no matter how assaulted your self-worth is, truth number one is in fact truth. And if you still struggle with the idea that you are incapable of doing anything good in your flesh, even after your salvation, I want you to consider the following verse. This, of course, we've looked at before, a couple days ago, Romans 7, 18. This is Paul speaking. For I know that in me, and then he wants us to know what he means by in him, not his spirit, not what's redeemed, because he puts in parentheses, that is, in my flesh. For I know that in me, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. I want to do good. But how to perform what is good, Paul says, I do not find. In Paul's life, in his flesh, there was nothing good that dwelled there. And he wants to do good with the flesh. He has a desire to do good, but he doesn't know how to perform what is good. He can't find the way because his spiritual life is spiritual. It's not fleshly. And remember, this was Paul who made this statement. Paul, I don't know about you, but I don't want to stack up my spiritual life against his. Would you? Now, most of us have spent the majority of our Christian life trying to prove truth one is wrong. We've tried to love more. We've tried to pray without ceasing, like 
1 Thessalonians 5, 17. We wanted to witness to our loved ones. We want to unselfishly minister to others, to rejoice always in every situation. We want to learn and, and strive and try how to fervently worship him, as he says in John 4, in spirit and truth. We want to forgive others as we want to be forgiven and serve the Lord with the joy and intensity we know should be there, but it's not. You know that's true. That's why we're less than tens. That's why we're striving just to get to the higher Christian life, just to get back to some point we once were in the past before we move on into uncharted territories. That's why you're listening to this podcast. We all struggle. I mean, if we were capable of doing good in our flesh and by our own merits, and I know we've all tried, wouldn't our spiritual life right now be the higher Christian life? Wouldn't we be the definition of the higher Christian life? But for most of us, it's not. It's seriously lacking. It's not even close. And why is that? Let me close today by just giving you one example. It's from John 15 and the vine and the branches. You may want to turn and read that when we're finished. Our mission in life is not to produce fruit as a branch, which we are incapable of doing, but only to bear the fruit that the vine produces in us. It is the vine that produces the fruit for the Father's glory, and all our job is is to stay connected to the vine and bear what he produces. John 15, 5, Jesus says, For without me, Jesus, the vine, you can do nothing. You can produce nothing. There is nothing good in your flesh. This is the essence of truth one. So don't run from this truth. You need to accept it at face value. You need to receive it with that reservation. I suggest you take some time tonight and ask the Holy Spirit to confirm this truth to you and understand that truth, number one, should not lead you to despair. You should not feel bad about yourself. You should not languish and anguish over the fact that you're incapable of producing anything good, but it should bring you immense joy, immense joy because it's in the full acceptance of truth number one that the pathway to this deliverance over failure in our spiritual life is opened. I know that may seem like a bold statement today, but tomorrow we're going to look a little bit deeper into how this pathway is open by your acceptance of seeing you and what you can and can't do through the eyes of Christ. I hope this has been a blessing to you today. And I um, look forward to meeting with you again tomorrow. Until then.